0: You're listening to the N2K Space Network. Welcome to T-Minus Career Notes. I'm Maria Varmazis, host of the T-Minus Space Daily podcast. And today is November 24th, 2023, Black Friday in the U.S., or the day after we have consumed way too much food in most cases, and we're taking the day off to be with our families. So in lieu of our regular daily show, we have a very special program for you. Career Notes explores the pathways of some of the most influential leaders in aerospace. And our guest for today has had a trailblazing career in the US military and at NASA, first as an astronaut, and later as the agency's administrator. Charles F. Bolden Jr. has dedicated his life to the service of the United States. In 2009, President Barack Obama appointed him to be the 12th NASA Administrator, making him only the second astronaut to hold that position. And while heading NASA, Bolden oversaw the transition from the space shuttle system to a new era of exploration, fully focused on the International Space Station and aeronautics technology development. This is his story in his own words.
1: First of all, I'm a product of the Jim Crow South. I was born in Columbia, South Carolina. My mom and dad were school teachers. Uh, They had both gone to a historically black college, Johnson C. Smith University in Charlotte, North Carolina, and when they graduated in the class of 1940, they both came back home to Columbia and started teaching. The next year, my dad was drafted into the Army, and so he served from 41 to 45 when the war ended, came back home. But they raised my brother and me. They were my initial, and and even in death, remained my primary role models and mentors. Um, my mother was my high school librarian and worked me pretty hard, and my dad was my high school football coach. And... Um, he had a saying, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, but the size of the fight in the dog. He taught me how to cry. Uh, he, you know, he said that's fine for, for men to cry. Um, in fact, you should feel really bad if you lose a football game. Yeah, so cry, get it over with, and then get back in there and don't lose again. They taught me three things one was if I wanted to do anything I could do it as long as I was willing to study and work hard and never ever ever be afraid of failure and in seventh grade I saw a program on television called men of Annapolis about life at the Naval Academy I was so infatuated by this place the yard as they called the Naval Academy grounds that I decided as a 12 year old that uh, I wanted to go to the Naval Academy I started applying when I was in ninth grade in high school for a congressional appointment. For young men and women who may be listening to this and don't know, everybody is eligible for a vice presidential appointment. The vice president of the United States can appoint anyone who is a U.S. citizen um, from anywhere. The president can only appoint sons and daughters of congressional honor winners and active duty military. So... The other category is congressional appointments, which come from your two senators, U.S. senators and your congressional representative. And and when I was in high school, the leader of the South Carolina delegation was Strom Thurmond. Strom Thurmond and Olin D. Johnston were my two U.S. senators. Albert Watson was my congressional representative, and all three of them made it very clear that they were not, um, could not, appoint a black to any service academy. When President Kennedy was assassinated my senior year in high school, November 22nd, uh, same day we won the state championship in football, my hope of going to the Naval Academy went out the window because I was counting on an appointment from the vice president and Lyndon Johnson I had been talking to for a number of years by mail. And he kept saying, you know, write me back when you're a senior in high school. So my mother kind of, she saw how devastated I was and she said, are you gonna quit? I said, what do you mean? She said, you're going to give up. And I said, well, what do I do? I'm, I don't have another place to go. She said, you figure it out. So I pulled out an old typewriter and I typed out a letter to, to the president of the United States, to Lyndon B. Johnson. And I said, look, this is me. its I'm the same Charles Bolden It's always wanted to go to the Naval Academy. I need help. And I understand I can't get an appointment from you. But please, if there's anything you can do to help me get an appointment to the Naval Academy, do it. And I've never heard from him. But within weeks, uh, a Navy recruiter showed up at my front door, uh, asked if, you know, I was the one that, that wanted to go to the Naval Academy. I said, sure. And then several months later, President Johnson sent a retired federal judge from Washington, D.C., Judge Bennett, sent him around the country, uh, visiting with um, schools in the South mainly, looking for qualified Black and Hispanic young men who wanted to go to the, to the service academies. And so with those two supports... I ended up getting an appointment from Congressman William Dawson in Chicago, Illinois. So my my application package was built and everything is me coming from Chicago. That's how I got to the Naval Academy. The very first person who impressed me, who made an impact on my life when I got to the Naval Academy was my first company officer in my freshman year Uh, Major John Riley Love, he was a young Marine Corps infantry officer who was responsible for the 150 or so of us in 29th company uh, of the 36th at the the Naval Academy. He was like my dad. He was tough, but eminently fair. And uh, he saw to it that every opportunity was presented to me as a midshipman, although there were only, I was only black in our company. As we graduated, there were only four of us in the graduating class, in the class of 1968. And when I got there, there were only 12. So there were 12 blacks out of the 4,000 members of the brigade, but, but Major Love was always there for me. And uh, when I look back four years later, getting ready to graduate, I was, you know, I had to decide what I wanted to do. And I said, you know, I could do anything I want to. I wanna be like him, I wanna be like Major Love. And so I decided I was gonna be a Marine Corps infantry officer I went to the basic school, which is a six-month course of study in Quantico, Virginia, to teach everybody, no matter what you're going to do, to be a rifle platoon commander, to be an infantry officer. And I found out during our three-day war in the cold and snow and ice of Quantico, Virginia at the end of November that I really did not like crawling around in the mud. And uh, so I said, "Uh, I don't think I'm going to do this. I told my wife that I was going to go ahead and take an aviation option and go to Pensacola. One of my flight instructors was a guy by the name of Major Pete Field. He was another Marine. You keep seeing these Marines come into my life. But Pete was a a test pilot who uh, had been sent back to the training command uh, to teach people to fly airplanes. Major Field always talked about being a test pilot. He talked about how demanding it was, how precise you had to be. It wasn't a scarf hanging out the window like people envisioned. It wasn't very glamorous at all. It was very, very... um, demanding, and precise. So I kind of said, boy, that sounds like what I want to do. So I started applying for test pilot school as soon as I graduated from flight school. It took me about six years or so applying twice a year, being told no until finally um, I went out to the University of Southern California. I was a Marine Corps recruiter when I came back from Vietnam in Los Angeles. And USC offered a master's degree program in which I enrolled. And um, I finished the degree requirements, got my master's degree from USC, and I said, okay, I'm gonna apply one more time. And if, uh, if I don't get in this time, I'm gonna take it as a message from God that nah, you're not intended to be a test pilot. I, I put my application in and lo and behold, uh, the Marine Corps selected me that year and sent me back to to Patuxent River to start training to be a test pilot. Coming from the test community into NASA was just like coming from NASA to NASA because the way we do things at you know in the space agency are essentially the same way we do them. In a, in a military test community. When I went back to the Marine Corps, to the operating forces of the Marine Corps after my 14 years in the astronaut office, I found that the transition was again very easy because I had I had gone from serving as a commander on a space shuttle twice, where I had a crew of seven and, uh, and a $2 billion spacecraft for which I was responsible. And I had had to work with the training team to get us appropriately trained. And I was responsible for getting the vehicle to space and back safely and uh, and in one piece. And um, when I came back to the operating forces of the Marine Corps, I found that I was back in an organization that was the same size as NASA, about 18,000 people, when I got to to my command in the Marine Corps anyway. But I I was fortunate to go back to the Naval Academy first, and that allowed me to get what the Marine Corps calls re-greened. So I got back into a military environment right out of the astronaut office uh fell in love with it. I was the deputy commandant of, M- of midshipmen at the Naval Academy. NASA it was fundamentally, the astronaut office was fundamentally a military-like organization. You know, the, the original seven were all military officers, so they had built the astronaut office structurally um, and, and functionally to be very much like a military organization. My mom told me, study really hard work very hard at everything they do and never, ever, ever be afraid of failure. Plan to apply multiple times for whatever job it is you want in NASA. The other thing to keep in mind is you can support the space program. You may have no desire to go to space, but every NASA center, and we have nine centers around the country, and they're like little cities. The city manager or the, the, the mayor is called the director of a space center. So the mayor of the Johnson Space Center right now is Vanessa Weish, a wonderful black woman who graduated from Clemson University in my home state of South Carolina. She has a comptroller, somebody who handles money for her. She has a communications office. So if you have any interest in any of those fields, say you don't think you're a technically oriented person, but you're a great writer, apply to NASA because the people who help us to tell our story who can put it into prose and into cartoons and everything else so that we can capture the hearts and minds of kids way down in kindergarten. Because we have to start early like everybody else. I would say, if you've got a talent, we can use you at NASA. So don't think you've got to be an astronaut to be a part of the space program.
0: That's it for T-Minus for November 24th, 2023. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at space at n2k.com or submit the survey in the show notes. Your feedback ensures that we deliver the information that keeps you a step ahead in the rapidly changing space industry. This episode was produced by Alice Caruth, mixing by Elliot Peltzman and Trey Hester, with original music and sound design by Elliot Peltzman. Our executive producer is Brandon Karp, and I'm Maria Varmazes. Thanks for listening.